Hi, I'm Bill Arnold. Thank you for listening to this podcast. There are many more podcasts available at MyFaithRadio.com. Your support makes this possible. Thank you. And a warm welcome to the afternoon show. I'm Bill Arnold. Thank you for joining me today. I've got my Bible open right now to 2 Timothy 1.7 that says, For God has not given us a spirit of timidity, but of power and love and discipline. And I'm pretty sure Paul's reminding Timothy of his service and, and just called on him to rekindle his ministry without any kind of fear. I hope that's your spirit today, that you can go about your day without fear. Always glad to have Rob Bluey on the show. He's the executive editor at The Daily Signal. Always go to dailysignal.com to check out his amazing team. Hello, Rob. Hello, Bill. Good to be with you today. Yeah, thank you. So uh, let me just ask, because I'm a little bit behind on news, like since last fall. So what are the top stories that we should be paying attention to today? Well, the big story happening just uh, a few blocks from where I'm located is the U.S. Supreme Court's case today on President Biden's plan to cancel those billions of dollars in student loan debt. The justices heard arguments uh, in court today. Uh, The justices, which, you know, lean in a conservative direction, more or less, uh, appeared pretty skeptical of of President Biden's plan and whether or not he had the authority to do this. Uh, This was obviously one of those things that the president took upon himself without congressional approval, decided to uh, enact it through executive order, and the court, as we know, uh, has uh, you know reined in the executive branch in, in, in the past when the president has done things that uh, might not uh, fall completely in w- within his legal authority to do so. And this is a big one because obviously this was done in, in the precursor to the election. It was uh, w- widely seen as a political favor to a constituency that the Biden administration was trying to woo and vote uh, for Democrats in the election. And uh, obviously, that uh, that probably is what transpired, given the the uh, performance that the Democrats had in the election. Uh, it's going to cost taxpayers a lot of money uh, to forgive these loans. I mean, we can get into to the to the arguments. I mean, the the Supreme Court case is is really focused on whether or not he has the authority to do so. But I mean, from a fairness standpoint, it's really not fair at all what uh, President Biden did here. I understand that people have a lot of debt, student loan debt that they're carrying, and I I do feel for them. But it's really not fair to put that burden onto the backs of people who didn't go to college or those who went to college and responsibly paid off their debt or maybe saved for college and uh, and didn't have to incur the debt in the first place. And that's exactly what's happening here. Uh, President Biden is shifting. He's transferring, doing a wealth transfer from uh, those who are, are pretty well educated and probably have uh, fairly high paying jobs onto the backs of individuals who probably didn't go to college or couldn't afford to go to college. Yeah. Robin, we've talked about this in the past. It has ignited a firestorm on the text line and there raises a lot of really good questions. And what about the, the the guy who wants forgiveness on his truck loan, who's now going out and, and becoming a plumber? Why don't we forgive him on, on his truck loan? There's just too many people that have paid their way, made commitments to pay for college and then have it all that wiped out. It's, it seems, yeah, unfair. 
It, well, it is. And, and this is a, we're talking about a significant number of Americans here. So uh, since the plan was announced last August, 26 million people have applied for student loan relief. Uh, already 16 million uh, have been approved by the government to get that relief. So, I mean, this is not an in, inconsequential number of, of people. And, and to your point, yeah, we take out loans all the time. I mean, I have a mortgage. There are obviously car loans, truck loans. I mean, the, mm-hmm. you can go down the list. Uh, you do a renovation at your house, you might need to take out a loan. I mean, the government cannot just wipe away all of this debt. I mean, there has to be some personal responsibility here. And I, I think that part of the problem here is is not the individuals who are incurring the debt. I mean, they are trying to better themselves and, and obviously put themselves in a in a role where they can have a job, many of which require a college education. I think we need to look back at, at the higher education system more broadly and why is it that colleges and universities are charging so much to begin with. The pace of tuition has, uh, or tuition increases have far outpaced, uh, you know, many other aspects of our, our society. And uh, we see the bloated bureaucracy in many of these colleges and universities today that didn't exist a generation ago. And so there are a lot of steps that our, our colleges and universities can take uh, to, to lower the cost of, of attending a school and not burden future generations with this huge amount of debt. Yeah. Robin, I went to school at the University of Minnesota years ago. I was able to pay for my tuition with uh, 17 part-time jobs. So uh, it seemed like a go. reasonable well, adventure. Yeah, I think I, you know, I, I don't know how it is today, but I mean, I, I certainly had a, a part time job in, in college, as did my wife. Uh, we look for our opportunities. And, and in fact, you know, I, I think that, uh, you know, whether it was you were working in the dining hall or in my case, you know, I, I was working at the student newspaper. And, sure. uh, you know, there, there are a variety of ways that, that students can help chip away at this. And uh, obviously, there's financial aid and, and, and other sources. But it's uh, it's staggering to look at the cost of some of these colleges today, Bill. I mean, I I honestly um, <laughs> am dumbfounded as to uh, and and I, I only have a 13 year old, so I realize I'm not quite at that 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 stage yet where where I've got a kid looking at college. But I mean, yeah. it's it's scary. Yeah, my first text is college is way overpriced. I agree. Yes, same here. Yeah, yeah. Okay, <laughs> all right. All uh, right. Student loan forgiveness check. What's next? Yeah. So, I mean, uh, one of the other uh, big stories is, is COVID is back in the news this week uh, with some revelations from the Department of Energy that the lab leak theory actually is probably correct. Uh, you might remember that uh, a lot of us who were talking about this were, were either censored or, or you know, certainly chastised for suggesting such a thing that the Chinese might uh, be responsible for, for COVID. And uh, it turns out that the government's own investigation uh, has, has brought this back to life. And, and I think that those who are, were in positions of authority who, who you know, took steps to denounce this or ask the social media companies to censor this content uh, really owe the American people an apology. Uh, it just goes to show that, you know, well, this is something that uh, I think was probably suspected on the part of millions of Americans long ago. Uh, it takes a while for, for our own uh, institutions to, to catch up and, and do the proper investigation. And we do need to hold the Chinese accountable for this. I mean, that is, uh, there's no question about that. Uh, China is meddling in so many different things, but the fact that so many Americans lost their lives and, you know, are, um, are still suffering from long COVID and, uh, and other exposure to, uh, to this virus uh, you know, shows that uh, the Chinese cannot get away with without some sort of uh, punishment or retribution. Uh, and that yeah. should happen not just at the U.S. level, but the global level. Yeah. 
Rob Louie is my guest. He is the executive editor at The Daily Signal. And not to steer back to our first conversation, Rob, but a bunch of texts are coming in, and I think they're worth mentioning. Uh, a couple of remarks are, why should anyone have to pay for education so that they can work? And why would anyone earning 125000 need assistance to pay off a loan? And the other comment is, this only encourages entitlement. This is a nightmare for our economy. Well, that, that, yeah, let me just pick up on those last couple comments. I mean, I, I would say that I, I, I wholeheartedly agree that uh, the individuals who are benefiting from student loan forgiveness tend to be in higher paying jobs and are able to afford it, whereas the taxpayers who are going to have to pick up the burden through, through higher taxes um, and, and might not have a college education and might not be in a position where they can afford to pay more uh, shouldn't have to... Uh, you know, shouldn't shouldn't experience that wealth transfer, which is exactly what uh, what Biden's attempting to do here. He's rewarding a constituency that tends to favor his his political interests. And then uh, to the entitlement question, uh, you're absolutely correct. This we we ha- have this conversation on 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 a whole host of other th- issues as well. When the government decides to take an action like this. It will inevitably uh, create a situation where some future generation is going to think, well, if the government did this in 2022, there's probably some hope that they'll do it in 2035 or some future year. And so, yeah, it will create a, a situation where people don't think that they have to take the personal responsibility to pay off a loan. Uh, and, and what about those individuals who may have just recently completed paying off a loan? How, how are they supposed to to feel now that they're in a situation where they, you know, they worked hard, uh, paid off their debts, and uh, now the government comes along and says it's forgiving? Mm-hmm. Rob, here's another question. Uh, we're back on COVID now. How does punishing China work if they did leak COVID? Yeah, well, I mean, I so a, a few steps that uh, that we could take. I mean, number one, I think we first and foremost, before we get into the tactical steps, I mean, we need to recognize China for what it is. It's an adversary. It's it's not a it's no longer a competitor. We've made some mistakes in our past, uh, granting most favored, favored nation status and other things that we have benefited the Chinese to a great extent and and hurt uh, Americans. And uh, and I think so. The first step I would take, Bill, is to try to create a China resistant economy here in the United States, one that uh, relies on manufacturing and industry here and and isn't so dependent on on China. Uh, Just this week, former President Trump has come out with a number of ideas, which, you know, he was a big fan of using tariffs. Uh, I think tariffs obviously have their pros and cons. You know, that's one idea that he was suggesting. Um, In terms of this this specific health uh, risk that uh, the Chinese have, have exposed us to, you know, I, I, I would pressure the, the WHO and the United Nations and other international organizations, which, you know, were not as forthcoming uh, when COVID first started, uh, to, to bring down the hammer on China and do as much as they can in their power uh, to, 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 to punish them. And um, I don't know exactly what all of those steps would look like, but I mean, I even think rhetorically coming out and, and, and taking a tough stand against China would have a big influence. I think that the Chinese are very good at propaganda and, and public relations, and they've uh, attempted to do use those same tactics against us. Look, a couple of years ago, when uh, the general manager for the Houston Rockets made some comments about China, China and its, tre- its human rights abuses and, and the pressure that they exerted on, on NBA players and the, and the league. Um, and so, you know, there are steps that we can take to punish China. I don't think Disney should be working with China to produce movies, you know, <laughs> uh, particularly in, in the provinces where 
they're committing these human rights atrocities. I mean, there are uh, a whole host of things. And the good news is, uh, in the coming uh, weeks, Bill, and we'll, we can set up uh, an interview with one of my colleagues at the Heritage Foundation, uh, Heritage is going to come out with what we call a victory plan uh, for the United States against China. It's going to include a whole host of ideas uh, that range from economic to national security. And uh, we can talk more about it at that point for sure. Well, let's do that. Rob Louie is my guest. He is the executive editor at The Daily Signal. You go to dailysignal.com to check it out. We'll be right back. If you have a question for Rob, and there's a bunch coming in, 877-933-2484. And we'll be right back. Faith Radio and Afternoons with Bill podcasts are available because of listener support. If you are a supporter, thank you so much. Becoming a supporter today by visiting MyFaithRadio.com. Rob Bluey is my guest. He is the executive editor at The Daily Signal. You can learn more about him and his creative and smart team at dailysignal.com. So uh, being a little ignorant of news, Rob, I get questions asked to me that I don't understand. So I got some nice clarification. And the question was, uh, how does the Energy Department know about the COVID leak? Uh, It was the Department of Energy that announced the lab leak. I could see the NSA or the Department of defense finding out, but how, how was it that the energy department? Yeah, well, so <laughs> it's a good question. You know, our government has tentacles and all sorts of things. And it sometimes begs the question as to why one department is doing, doing it. Uh, that is correct. It is the department of energy led by secretary Jennifer Granholm. That uh, was the one uh, that did the intelligence report on the lab leak. So a good question uh, from your listener, Bill. I'd have to dig into it a little bit more to understand the history as to why the Department of Energy was the one exactly doing uh, this report. Uh, but you better believe that, uh, you know, this is perhaps a reason why our government shouldn't be <laughs> as as big as it is, and there should be uh, more clarification. It is good, though, that we were able to get as much information as we have. In fact, I know that there are some senators who are calling for uh, the department to provide a briefing. Uh, to members of Congress and, uh, and, and, and certainly submit more information than what, what we know already based on press accounts. So hopefully in the days to come, we'll, uh, we'll have learned that. Yeah, Rob, so if you're eavesdropping at some random water fountain, uh, would you say that the discussion regarding the origin of COVID was the wet market or a lab leak? Oh, I, I, I would say the lab leak. Yeah, um, that, that that to me is, you know, not, not just based on this Department of Energy report, but other information we've been able to gather over the last couple of years. Uh, that seems like it was a much more probable cause. Um, it, uh, you know, has been extensively covered by by people who focus on this uh, and, and, you know, have done documentaries and other interviews. So don't just take my word for it. I think, uh, you know, if, uh, if your listeners are, are looking for more information, they can certainly find it these days. And, uh, you know, it's, it's not something that I ever expect the Chinese to admit, Bill. So it's not like they will admit their guilt here. Uh, we shouldn't right. be uh, holding our breath for, for that. But, uh, but I think that there's enough evidence that exists uh, to, to make that, that, that uh, claim today. 
Yeah, I mean, if I had a, a peanut stand and somehow my peanuts that got sold caused the death of 7 million people around the world, would I still be allowed to have my peanut stand open? It's true. That's a that's a good point. Yeah. yeah. I, I mean, and, how are these wet markets still open? If if they're the cause of, of, of 7 million deaths, how are they still right. in operation? Yeah, that's a good that's a good point, and and obviously a different culture, and uh, and having never that. been to China, never never seen it firsthand. I I I I can, I get it. Can only yeah yeah. I didn't mean to cut you off, Rob. I I felt. Oh like no no I, no! I I, just, I, I I just think I think that it's you raise you raise some good questions, Bill, and uh, and there aren't aren't very good explanations on the part of the Chinese as to to, to why this happened. But I mean, considering China was ground zero uh, for this, and and. The fact that it, it seems that the gain-of-function research and the other types of things that were probably going on in these Chinese labs, you know, there's enough to point to to it and, and not the wet market. And that's why the wet markets are probably still open and operating. Yeah. Another comment came in, Rob, uh, you can't get away from China because of the secular view that there's no inherent evil and the industry base for our country is dependent on China. It certainly is. And, and that's why I think we need to make a concerted effort. It's going to be a generational effort. It's not something we're going to be able to change overnight. I mean, remember that it was during, uh, it was, you know, it was almost, what, 25 years ago now when we started to, I mean, it goes back all the way, obviously, to Richard Nixon's visit to China in, uh, in, in the 19, early 1970s, I believe, if I have my, my timeline correct, um, which you know, in, in retrospect, uh, you know, I, I think was attempting to establish relations and, and, and change the way that the Chinese people, you know, view freedom and democracy. And I think that those efforts have largely failed. I mean, we thought that economic liberalization of China and, and the fact that U.S. companies would come in and produce products there uh, would, would change the minds of the Chinese Communist Party. It hasn't. I think it's only strengthened them. It's, we've, we've essentially uh, helped them grow to be one of the world's leading economies. They've built uh, one of the, the strongest militaries. That, you know, they now are, are threatening Taiwan. And if they were to gain Taiwan, obviously would have a huge uh, foothold in, in the Pacific Ocean. And, and, you know, Guam and Hawaii and other places would be much more at risk. And so, you know, there are significant steps that we need to take. And I think as much as we can, uh, stop relying on them. There, there are things, by the way, that we can do in our own lives. I mean, I think that we can stop buying products that, that are, are, are made in China. I know that that's, you mm-hmm. might, your listeners are probably like, wow, you know, there, there, there are, are certainly limits, right? Um, but yeah. there are a lot of uh, American companies that are, are now marketing themselves as, as uh, institutions where you don't have to, to buy uh, from China. You can get... Um, uh, American-made products uh, that are are higher quality, that probably cost a little bit more, yes, uh, but you won't be dependent on on this communist country, and you won't be giving it uh, business. Mm-hmm. Some of the things I love about my listeners is they're compassionate and they're practical. A couple more things have just come across my text line here, Rob. One is, you know, can we help students who are only earning like thirty thousand dollars a year or less? And of course, my, my feeling is, yes, of course we can, but I'm guessing that they might have gotten some help on the front end as well, maybe some scholarship money and some help uh, getting into a higher educational system. So hard to say. And the other comment was, couldn't our government have held an international panel of discussion to resolve the matter of uh, the COVID leak right from the beginning? And that's very practical and compassionate. 
Yeah, well, well yes, and thank you for both of those comments. I, I, I'm really grateful that uh, your listeners are, are uh, writing into you, Bill. It's, it's, <laughs> it's encouraging. Um, on the first one, let me make another point about college, and that is that not everybody needs to go to college to have a successful or even well-paying job. Uh, you know, there, are, there are a lot of trade professions where you can earn a great living and not incur the debt of four years of a college education. And so I um, strongly am supportive of vocational education and uh, alternative means beyond college, uh, if that's uh, what you wanted to pursue with, uh, with your life. And then secondly, you know, I'm, I'm, I, as we were talking, the, um, the chairman, uh, sorry, the ranking member of the Senate Committee on Energy and Natural Resources just put out a statement saying that even he was never provided this report from the Department of Energy nor informed of its conclusions. So, wow. uh, yeah, when, when so your listeners uh, shouldn't feel uh, like they were kept in the dark when the ranking member on the Senate committee didn't even know about it. But uh, I, I, I think that there was probably some reluctance on the part of of the government um, to, to poke China too aggressively, which is why things were done the way they were. But I mean, we shouldn't be fearful of China. And we know that they're going to uh, be acting in, in ways that, uh, that are, are not in the best interest of the United States. And so I, I wish that they would lose uh, this pretense and, and become more aggressive. Mm-hmm. All right, Rob, one more comment about uh, COVID, and, uh, um, which is this, that wet markets are popular because people can't get decent meat in stores. And I'm, I'm not surprised that to be true. But however, uh, if a wet market is the, the cause of 7 million people uh, dying, that's cause for big concern. Yeah, it, it's, it certainly is. And, and Bill, this is where I, I would go back. I think as we talk, you and I often talk about the gridlock in Washington, D.C. and how Congress can't get anything done. I think the one area where they can restore some trust with the American people is conducting meaningful oversight. And this can happen whether you're a Republican or a Democrat. It doesn't just have to be a confrontational relationship with the Biden administration. There are right. a whole number of questions that, that our members of Congress should be asking about COVID-19, the origin, some of the policies that were implemented here in the United States and the harm that they caused individuals. I mean, those are the types of things that they, I think the American people want to see their lawmakers do and right now aren't happening. Rob, it sounds like your ride is here in the background. <laughs> yeah, I know. <laughs> I feel like every week we've got the sirens, but, but this, is, this, is the, this, is the, this is Washington, D.C. and this is uh, I know. You know, an area where crime has skyrocketed and we yeah. live it every day, Bill. Yeah. Another nice comment came in from uh, Anne. She said, I, I chose to attend junior college in order to save money as well as work part-time along the way. And I worked two jobs in the summer. So there you go. Uh, practical, uh, hardworking folk are making a big difference. They sure are. They sure are. Yeah, and it's yeah. great that all you right. have them all as listeners, Bill. I couldn't agree more. All right, Rob, we have one minute left. You have uh, one more quick item for me? Yeah, sure. I mean, I think that uh, one of the things that uh, <laughs> that my colleague Tyler O'Neill uh, broke a great story today, um, which was about how the FBI was was likely targeting evangelicals and Anglicans, uh, you know, and again, we don't have this information. We need to figure out wow. what exactly our own government was doing uh, in terms of going after, uh, you know, places of worship. And and Bill, I, I think that you have groups like the Southern Poverty Law Center and others that are hostile to religion that are forcing the government to take some of these actions. And we need to stand up and demand some answers. Yeah. Uh, us people right. of faith should not be put in that position. I agree. We'll chat about that maybe next time as well. Rob Bluey, thank you so much. Have a great day. Thanks, Bill. Uh, we'll be right back with Dr. Alex McFarlane. 
Thank you for joining me today. I hope you've had a great day so far. I'm always delighted when Alex comes on, Alex McFarland, because he is an incredible resource. He's got a brilliant uh, mind. He's got an incredible soft heart. He loves Jesus, and he wants to make his name known. And he has this incredible giftedness about him. When I grow up, I want to be like Alex. So, uh, Alex, welcome back to the show. Well, Bill, God bless you. You're you. you're very kind. I, I don't know if you're just uh, gracious or delusional, but uh, that was a very <laughs> kind introduction. Yeah, you do have a soft touch. You have a way of getting to a discussion, a conversation, and keeping it truthful and kind. And I don't ever see your blood pressure going up because um, you you put yourself in situations where there's debate and there's opposition and there's people coming at you with daggers and you stay calm brother well if that be the case it's the holy spirit i i'm just a saved sinner bill but i will say this i've, I've talked to a lot of people and um you know the bible talks about the fact i believe it's in first corinthians 9 uh i think it's first corinthians 9 4 but it talks about lost people the god of this world has blinded them you know mm-hmm. and um you know I, i've i have talked to atheists and activists and people of every strata and um sometimes my heart just breaks because they really seem unable to see the truth you know i know and it's and i don't get angry with people uh, or at least I, I I think I don't get angry with people because I realize that that lost, blind, bound person could be me, you know? And yeah. um, I found Jesus when I was in college at age 21, and the Lord mercifully came into my life, and I, I'm really grateful for that. I mean, I could be lost, I could be in a lot of places, but yet Jesus Christ patiently called out to me and so i try to put myself in the shoes of the person that's lost and deceived and in their worldview and i guess try to realize that you know to be saved and to be biblically grounded is really really a a blessing to be grateful for Mm -hmm. and then why should we ever be surprised that lost people act lost in this world yeah yeah that's true. And, you know, so much um, the, the the noise and the voices, you know, there's everything, there's so many issues, my goodness, from cancel culture to wokeness to abortion to gender issues. And uh, it really does boil down to worldview. And that that's why it's very imperative for the church and professed believers to draw their conclusions from Scripture. A biblically oriented worldview, and um, Bill, have you ever interviewed George Barna? Yes, several times. Yeah, I, I figured you would have had him on. Yep. Because yep. Uh, afternoons with Bill Arnold is a great intellectually substantive show. <laughs> yeah. Well, it is, and, and yeah. I mean, Faith Radio and the work you do is very vital, and and you do everything with excellence. But um, Barna, and and I've interviewed him too. 
you know, he they do surveys and surveys, and the research is, you know, very much respected. But Barna talks about the fact that, you know, a lot of professed Christians hold some wildly unbiblical ideas about Jesus, salvation, and we don't have a biblical worldview uh, like we ought to. And so, uh, you know, I'm not out to spread my opinions about anything, but I do want to proclaim what the Word of God says on each issue, and uh, that's that's the only thing that can really change people's life is the truth of God's Word, not the ideas of Alex McFarlane or any man. Yeah. Alex, why do you think that churches today are trying to reframe their image and drop their name that maybe they've had for 40 years and have come out with a new name, which is kind of more vague and nondescript. And have you seen that? Uh, yeah. I see it all the time. And I'm trying to figure out why are they doing that? Are they trying to make it more attractional to people? Are they trying to disguise it as a church? What do you understand that to be? What's going on? Um. Well, I don't know. I suppose different people have different reasons for the things they do. But some of the older denominations, which you know, uh, I don't, I don't have a problem with denominations as long as any church or any grouping of churches are preaching the gospel. But I think there's the the um, perception that you know, First Baptist or Calvary Methodist or you know, um, whatever Presbyterian or Lutheran. I think there's the perception. Uh, that those brand names, if you will, are negative. It's interesting. Um, I've asked a lot of young people, and, and sometimes, you know, maybe a young person has heard something in the news, but most of the young people that I've talked to, they don't know. They really don't know, you know. Um, <laughs> years ago, 20 years ago, at least 20 years ago, the rock band uh, U2 had a tour called the Elevation Tour. And it was one word, you know, it wasn't like a sentence, like the, uh, you know, 50 states across America tour. It was just this one word, elevation. And a lot of churches begin to use these one word names like ignite or elevate. And of mm -hmm. course, you know, out of Charlotte came a whole cottage industry of elevation churches and things like that. You know, I don't know, the one word names... I, I don't know. I, I have found um, well-branded, hip churches that weren't succeeding, and I've found old, traditional, <laughs> not-at-all-brand-savvy <laughs> churches that were thriving. Yeah. Yeah. And, and I really think that, I mean, there, there's nothing necessarily pious about being um, sloppy with your image, but... Um, you can have the slickest image in the world, but if you don't have the Holy Spirit of God, the truth of the gospel, and the love of the body of Christ, you're not really going to be doing anything permanent. Mm-hmm. Dr. Alex McFarlane is my guest. Alex, so we, we live in a, a, an age of information unlike anything I can remember. We have access to more information faster than we've ever been able to. I remember when I wanted to look something up. Remember that these days when you went to the library? Oh yeah, and did and did research. You know, now you've yes. got a computer in your hand that can search anything, anytime, at any speed. So we have no shortage of information, but I think we're having a harder time trying to navigate our way with truth and wisdom. 
Yeah. You know, Bill, I've been teaching through the book of Proverbs, and, um, you know, there is so much in it about wisdom and truth and knowledge. And in Proverbs 23, it talks about, you know, buy wisdom, seek it like gold or, yeah. or ingest it like sweet honey. And it, it's worth pointing out, I, I know this sounds probably pretty elementary, but data and truth are two different things. And information and wisdom are not necessarily the same thing. Um, we do have the information superhighway, and it's like any one of us has the Library of Congress in the palm of our hand, and yet we're, we're a culture starving for wisdom. Yeah, we are. Which made me think of some Proverbs I've struggled with, and maybe you'll help me understand this one, Proverbs 27, 5, that says, An open rebuke is better than hidden love. And wow. wounds from a sincere friend are better than many kisses from an enemy. Wow. Open That's rebuke powerful. is better than hidden love. Does it sound like we are giving somebody our two cents without them asking, or are we really trying to love them by telling them the truth? And the word well, open rebuke is, is kind of a big one. Yeah, well, you know... Um, Anybody will tell you what you want to hear, but somebody who cares about you will tell you what you need to hear, you know? Um, mm -hmm. I, I was, earlier today, Bill, I was reading in Proverbs 24, 24 and 25, and it talks about, you know, not being a respecter of persons, and it says, every man will kiss his lips who gives a right answer. In other words, if you, if you tell people what they want to hear, uh, they'll, they'll like you, uh, but what our call to do is to tell people the truth. Now, the truth may be well-received or it may make somebody angry. But, you know, I think about with the um, issue of, of gay marriage and transgenderism and just the redefinition of moral boundaries, you know, um, the question is not, you know, where has the culture gone? The, the question is, you know, what does God's Word say? Because God, you know, let's remember John 10, 35, Jesus said, the scripture cannot be broken. And I think a lot of the people that have gotten on the, the woke bandwagon bill and, the, you know, postmodern, let's, let's deconstruct everything. You know, I think one day they're going to realize that um, they did the Lord themselves and their neighbor a disservice by getting on the bandwagon of transient trends rather than timeless truth. Mm-hmm. We were mentioning the information that's available and trying to find in, uh, truth and discernment. I also thought of Proverbs 24, in verse 3 and 4, it says, By wisdom a house is built, and by understanding it is established, and by knowledge the rooms are filled with all precious and pleasant riches. Wow. Look, at that, that's so wonderful. I'm glad we're looking at these pages. Wisdom, understanding, yes, wisdom. Mm -hmm. knowledge, uh, precious riches. Um, what is this? It's Jesus, and it's, it's his word. And, you know, I think it's very significant, Bill, that um, the Lord Jesus in John 14, 6, he didn't just claim to... Pro you know, to proclaim truth, he said that he was truth. Mm -hmm. Isn't that something? And not merely a truth, but the truth. 
Um, Bill, I'm not trying to like name drop, but um, in 2015, shortly after the Obergfell decision about gay marriage, uh, I was on a show with Geraldo Rivera, and um, I've actually done several shows with him over the years. But we were talking about morals, and he he said, you know, I've interviewed a lot of ministers, but you're, you know, you're one of the few that really say the Bible says the Bible says. And I said, well, it's because you know the Bible says. Um, and so, you know, he was asking me a lot of really hard questions, um, not hard in the sense of, of difficult to answer, but black and white questions, you know, either Jesus is the son of God or he isn't, you know, and Geraldo Rivera looked at me and he said, Alex, you do know, um, the majority of people don't believe that way anymore. And I was like, well, so, (laughs) you know, I mean, truth or falsity is in no way tied to how many people do or don't believe it. I mean, you know, truth is truth, even if nobody believes it, and error is still erroneous, even if everybody believes it. And so I I fear, back to the question about church branding, uh, you know, we're called to blaze trails, not jump on bandwagons. And um, we're called to be faithful, not necessarily popular. And I I don't think we should go out of our way to be unpopular, but, you know, um, I I gently said, and I, I will say, um, truth is not determined by how many people affirm it or, or disaffirm it. Truth is the revelation of God, and truth is the Word of God, and truth is Jesus Christ, the Son of God. And I think we're going to see an amazing transformation of our wonderful country if we'll care more about truth than popularity and more about God's revelation than um, just what may or may not be the mood of the moment. Mm-hmm. Alex, I know I'm a simple guy, but I was reading 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 2. I bet you know what that is. I'm not going to put you on the spots. So I'll just read it. For I resolved to know nothing while I was with you except Jesus Christ and Him crucified. Amen. Amen. That's all because I need to know. It, for real. Hey, by the way, I, we, we might have a break coming up. I'm not sure. But have I you seen do. the movie Jesus Revolution? I have not. Have you seen it? I did. It's amazing. Okay. okay. May we discuss? Maybe. Yeah, we'll discuss after the break. Dr. Alex McFarland is my distinguished guest and friend. And you can learn more about him at alexmcfarland.com. That's M-C-F-A-R-L-A-N-D. alexmcfarland.com. Be right back. Thanks for listening to Afternoons with Bill Arnold. I'm Carmen LeBurge. If you enjoy what you're listening to here, consider subscribing to other great faith radio podcasts like mine. Search Mornings with Carmen LeBurge at MyFaithRadio.com or wherever you listen to podcasts and hit subscribe. I'm back with Dr. Alex McFarland. We're talking a little bit about wisdom today. Uh, and a wise man is strong, and a person of knowledge increases power. For by wise guidance you will wage war, and in abundance of counselors there is victory. And that is uh, from Proverbs chapter 24, as we continue chatting a little bit about wisdom. But 
Uh, I also want to hear your movie review of The Jesus Revolution, Alex. Tell me about it, and what what did you like about it? Well, God bless you. Uh, You know, one of my favorite topics has been the Jesus movement of the late 60s and early 1970s. And, uh, Bill, some of your listeners that were alive back then will remember that. Um, And uh, I don't know, do you remember much about that time uh, in the early 70s, there were hit songs like Put Your Hand in the Hand of the Man Who Stilled the Water. And Johnny Cash had hit songs. And Chris Christopherson sang Why Me, Lord. And do you remember in the early, early 70s, Bill, there seemed to be for just a, a couple of years just a real, real Jesus movement. Do you remember that? Uh, not very well. Well, but I do. I do remember the movement. I just don't remember the specifics very well. Yeah, and I was just a kid, but I've got uh, you know an older sister, and she and a lot of her friends were suddenly having Bible studies in my parents' basement, and uh, really at the you know head of that movement was a pastor from California, Chuck Smith of Calvary Chapel, Costa Mesa. And the film, which I would urge people to see, it was produced by Greg Laurie and John Irwin, great filmmaker John Irwin, and it stars Kelsey Grammer of Frasier fame. Okay. And I've got a lot of friends that were there at the very epicenter of that. In fact, I've interviewed over the years Josh McDowell, who was part of the Jesus Movement. I've interviewed... Uh, Arthur Blessett, who was the minister of the Sunset Strip out there in California. And I've interviewed a guy. Um, Bill, I've got to ask you this. Did you ever know of a big event in 1972 in Texas? It was kind of the, really the pinnacle of the Jesus movement, often called the Christian Woodstock, but it was called Explo 72 at the Dallas Motor Speedway. No, I do not know about that. Nope. All right, well... This is a very important movie for a couple of reasons, folks. I would urge people to see The Jesus Revolution. I've got no stake in it. I'm just a guy that cares about revival. And I think The Jesus Movement was a great awakening. I think it could happen again. But it's the story of how Chuck Smith, a pastor with a, you know, kind of struggling older church, he decided that they were going to reach the hippies. And they were going to share the gospel. They did not compromise the gospel message. Uh, and it began to grow and grow and grow. And this this will blow your mind. And I, and I think this is one of the most underreported stories that in 1972, 500,000 teenagers came to the Texas Motor Speedway for a week for a big conference. Billy Graham spoke, Pat Boone, Josh McDowell, Johnny Cash, Bill Bright of Campus Crusade. I interviewed Bill Bright's chief of staff, who was um, in charge of all the logistics of that event, Explo 72. Joseph, uh, uh, I'm sorry, Robert Pittenger was his name, and he talked about just, it was amazing. It was like the Spirit of the Lord was moving among young people, and this movement um, is really recounted in the film Jesus Revolution that came out last Wednesday. And it's very, very inspiring. And I would urge people to see it because uh, it is one of the most significant moves of God in the last 50, 55 years. And uh, we need we need another one now, don't we, Bill? Uh, we do. And I get the feeling, Alex, that the film was well done. Yeah, it was. I mean, let me, Top let me say Top notch everything. Yeah, I mean, it is not, I repeat, not a cheesy Christian movie. 
<laughs> <It's>, <laughs> okay. It, it it may be the most well produced Christian film I've ever seen, and um, like like I say with um, Kelsey Grammer and um, the actor I forget his name, the the actor that played Jesus in the Chosen series plays one Probably of the lead. still playing Jesus in the Chosen series. Exactly, Jonathan, Jonathan Romai or something. Exactly, something like that. I don't know how to pronounce. He his last is name. the co-star of this film, and it's. It's top drawer. It it just nice. really is. Yeah. Nice. Yeah. Dr. Alex McFarland is my guest. Thank you for that comment on that. You've inspired me to want to go see the the movie. So thank you for that. Yeah. And we've got a few minutes left. So because we're talking about wisdom, and I got all excited about that when we brought up Proverbs twenty four. There are a couple of really great things in Proverbs twenty four. I want to just mention because in thirteen fourteen it says, "My son, eat honey, for it is good." Yes, the honey from the comb is sweet to your taste. No, that wisdom is the same for your soul. If you find it, then there will be a future, and your hope will not be cut off. Mm. Isn't that good? Well, uh, in the world to, today, with a lot of people feeling hopeless or hopelessness in their lives, this is a, a great verse. Well, it really is. And on the flip side, without the relationship to Christ, without God's revelation, knowledge, and wisdom, uh, our expectation uh, will be cut off, you know? I mean, see, only really in Jesus do we have the permanence, and not only eternal life, but really a significant life down here. Uh, you know, we're in Proverbs. If you go back to Proverbs 23, verse 18, uh, the King James says, For surely there is an end, and thine expectation shall not be cut off. All right. Some of the more modern translations of Proverbs 23:18 say, There is life after death. There is something beyond this world. There, There is eternity. And when you have given your heart to Christ and your sins are washed away and you're building your life on God's truth, there's not only um, life in heaven with Christ, the Savior, but there is the, the realization that what we do in this life really matters. Uh, Bill, I love uh, 1 Corinthians fifteen fifty eight that says, Our labor in the Lord is not in vain. And uh, they say everybody wants significance and everybody wants acceptance. Well, so much of what the world defines as significant is just so insignificant. You know, First um, John 2.15 says the world is passing away and it's going to be forgotten. But whatever mm -hmm. you do for Jesus, uh, your expectation will not be cut off. It will count for eternity. And, uh, you know, I think maybe when I, I'm just speaking for myself, when I read these scriptures like this, it makes me want to, you know, reevaluate my priorities and take inventory. Mm-hmm. Once we know who we are in Christ, then we have the knowledge of who we are. But apart from knowing who you are in Christ, it'd be pretty much impossible to know who you are. Very true. Very true. I don't know if that I don't know if that came out a little convoluted or not, but I think you know what I'm trying to say. Well, I mean we we really not only do we not fully know our identity apart from Jesus, we don't really have an identity apart from Jesus. <laughs> well said. I mean, we really don't. And here's the irony of it. Um, 
for so much of the world, it's like um, the path to freedom, liberation, self-discovery, self-actualization. There's no rules. I'm going to live like I want to live. Really, that, that autonomy, that militant autonomy, is not the path to liberation. It's the path to enslavement. In Jesus, my sins are forgiven. I'm truly set free. I have peace in my soul. Um, I'm securely in the care of my Savior. And my life down here can actually count for things. See, in Jesus, as C.S. Lewis said, we, we find our true selves, and we become the true self that, that we were ordained to be. So good. All right. It sounds like you might have disappeared on me. So I will say thank you, Dr. Alex McFarland, for joining the program today. And you can learn more about him at alexmcfarland.com. That's alexmcfarland.com. We'll take a break. When we come back, we're going to continue our series with Jeff Verdorn called Who Is This Jesus? And I want to say we're in episode 14 or 15 by now. And I think we've got this one and one more to go. But we're going to talk about the future of Jesus. And that is what's coming up next with Jeff Verdorn. So we're going to take a short break and we'll be right back with hour two. Thanks for listening. Programming like this is made available through your support. Information available at MyFaithRadio.com.